Area 10 Faith Community meets in the historic Bird Theater in Carytown in Richmond, Virginia. As of August 2nd, we have resumed in-person worship services on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are committed to the health and safety of our families and will continue to offer our simultaneous live stream at youtube.com slash area 10 faith community. We hope you'll join us at the Bird Theater again soon, but in the meantime, we're providing the best possible online experience we can for you. Now, on to this week's message. Hey, good morning. How are you guys? All right, good to see you. Welcome to uh, another year. I wanted to start out by uh, telling you a story of um, something I did back in 2011 and 12. I ran the Tough Mudder. Have you, have you guys ever run the Tough Mudder Spartan Race? Any race like that? Right? Okay, yeah. So um, here, here's the thing. So I, 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 we have a picture of, yeah, that was uh, a, a younger version of me running that. Uh, someone saw that and they said, that looks like your son. Um, okay, well, so I, I ran this race. And if you don't know what these kind of races are, they, this Tough Mudder was, uh, I got a group of guys together and we, we all ran this thing. And it was uh, 12 miles and it was at Wintergreen Ski Resort. So we ran 12 miles around Wintergreen. And it's not just the running, it's all the obstacles that they put up in your way, the, the monkey bars and the, uh, there was, um, uh, you had to run through fire, you had to run through live electrical wires, uh, which is not as fun as that sounds. Uh, and then uh, maybe the worst one though, uh, that, that, I, that I recall, the, most, the, the, the worst one was you had to dump into a, uh, a dumpster full of ice water and then swim across it and there was a bar across it so you had to go underwater to get under the bar and get all the way across. Um, that was breathtaking. Uh, and so I, I, I did this and, um, and it was really the hardest physical challenge that, I, that I've ever done. And I actually ended up doing it again a year or two later. Uh, the, the hard thing about doing it at Wintergreen Ski Resort is, I don't know if you, you guys like skiing? I really like skiing. I like ski resorts. Uh, but mostly what I like is the downhill part um, when you're on skis. Uh, walking up Black Diamond ski slopes is not so fun. Running up them is, is really not fun. And, and, and so there are these moments when you're doing this thing, you're like, this is awful. And especially the second year I did it, there's somewhere around uh, mile eight when it's raining and you're crawling through mud on, on bloody elbows under barbed wire. There's moments there where I just think, yeah, I just want to quit. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm ready to tap out. I've reached my quit line, my, my quit point of the whole thing. I am just done because I'm not getting money for this. It's not a competition. I don't even get a medal. I get a crappy t-shirt that I will one day throw away. Why am I doing this? Well, why do people do it? Well, because you, it's there. I don't know, because if you don't test yourself, you'll never find out what you're made of, I guess. I, I know for me, I wanted to prove something to myself that I could do it, um, but there were moments when I wanted to quit, and I was just over it. Have you ever reached those moments in your life? Those, I'm, I'm done with this, I'm ready to quit moments. Have you ever come to your, your quit line? Your quit line is that, is that space where you're like, I'm going this far and no farther. We, we do it all the time. You have a quit line at the gym. You'll go, today I'm going to lift weights, and I'm going to do three sets of 10, and somewhere around that second set of 10, or, in the, or maybe somewhere in that third set, you're like, I don't think I can do anymore. I think I'm done. And, and, you, and you quit. You, you face that all the time. Um, you've probably e- experienced that. And, and I would say in 2020, uh, what a lot of people experienced was coming up against their quit line, against that moment where they're like, I'm just done. I'm tapping out of this thing. And so they quit on a lot of things. Maybe it was the gym. Maybe the gym closed and you didn't have any choice. But maybe it was a bunch of other things that we either quit in 2020 or we were tempted to. 
Our marriage got hard. And we reached that point where we said, if she does this one more time, I'm out of here. If he makes that happen one more time, I am done with this thing and I'm going to quit. Maybe we reached that point with our job. Man, I can't go in there again. If the boss does one more thing like this, I quit. That, we've reached that, that quit line. Maybe we reached it with school. We go, man, I can't do one more test. I can't have one more exam. I can't do one more class. Can't write one more report. Uh, I'm, I'm ready to tap out. I'm ready to quit. I'm done with this. I'm done with grad school. I'm done with all of these things. Um, maybe you've experienced that. I wanted to start out the year talking about that because as a staff, we talk about what we will teach on throughout the year, and, and, and we did like a mini retreat about a month ago. Several of us got together, and we, we, we read, and, and, and we pray, and then we, we talk about, okay, what, what is the Lord leading us to teach on over the course of the coming year? And the thing we talked about was conversations that we were having with all of you, uh, people in this room, people who are watching online that we've gotten together with for coffee and just people around town. And, and normally at the beginning of the year, there's the mood of like, oh man, it's a new year, let's, let's resolutions, let's make plans, let's make goals, dreams, vision, plan, let's just make it happen. But what we were sensing from people over the last couple of months is people are just over it. They're just over it. They're ready to quit. They're ready to just bag it on, on, on a lot of things. And, and people are just pretty worn out. Um, I, I think people are over uh, politics and, and, and over people on the, the political right and the left who are yelling at them and just yelling at the top of the lungs, this is what you should believe and this is what matters. Most people fit into that middle group that is the exhausted majority who are just tired of all the yelling. Um, I think we're, we're over that. People are over wear, having to wear masks all over the place. Um, even if you're very pro-mask, like, hey, let's just wear a mask and get through till we get vaccine and all that kind of stuff. I, I understand that, but I think generally everybody's really over it um, and, and, and just ready to quit on, on that whole thing. Um, people are ready to quit on the city of Richmond. There was uh, a lot of um, peaceful protests, and then uh, there were... There were also some looting and, and rioting and different things that went on over this past year and a, a lot of graffiti and, and, um, and, and some, some pretty rough stuff. And, and people were quitting on the city of Richmond. They're like, I, I hate it. I, I want to be away from it. I want to move away from it. I want to get away from it. I want to get away from that mess down there. Um, and, I, and I get that too. People are quitting on Virginia. Um, I, 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 we have friends who, for the school year, this year, they moved to Florida just for the school year, because in Florida, they didn't have to wear a mask, at least where they were going. They didn't have to wear a mask, and their kids could go to school without wearing a mask, and they said, I'm, and they could go to church without wearing a mask, so they were just like, I'm just going to go to Florida. I'm done with Virginia, and I've heard that from other people who are, who are plotting their moves to Wyoming right now and stuff. Like, I, I, I hear that kind of stuff, and so people are over it, and they're ready to quit, and maybe you have felt that way, and my biggest concern, I think, in all of that is the people who, over the past year, have said, I'm ready to quit on God. I'm quitting on faith, I'm quitting on church, I'm quitting on my, my engagement with my faith and, and that entire thing, I'm, I'm done. Um, the, the statistics are not good. 22% is, uh, I think, uh, a Barna statistic about uh, 22% of people have disengaged from their church altogether over the, over the past nine months, not watching online or not attending in person. And I think the numbers are actually higher among millennials and stuff, it's like closer to, uh, up, up to near 50%. So uh, that concerns me, not just from an institutional con continuity sort of thing, like, oh, you know, the church and all that, but, but it just concerns me about, the, uh, about people when they're willing to 
um, discard these things, these rhythms of their lives, and, and say, I'm, I'm, I'm done with that, and, and not be a part of the church, and, and, and in many cases, not, not engage their faith at all. So what I want to do for the next five weeks is talk about the areas where we want to quit, and talk about uh, how we push through that, and, and what God would have for us in this new year. And uh, I think this is going to be helpful. Primarily, I want to talk about faith in church, but I think the principles that we're going to look at are going to apply to a lot of things that you might feel like quitting right now. And so I, I, my hope is that um, after we get through the dark winter, we push through and the, the sun comes back out and it's brighter in, in, in starting in March and April and all that as we, as we push through that. Uh, my hope is that this will be a season that we as a church, we come out of this thing stronger. That, that, that we grow, that we get better, that our faith is, is deeper, that our roots grow deeper um, in, in, a, in, a, in a drier season. So um, I, I want to look at that. So as a church, we talk about uh, three things basically that we, our hope is, kind of our mission here is we want to help people connect to God, find your people, and change the world. We'll put that up on the screen. Connect to God, find your people, and change the world. And so primarily today, I just want to talk about the connect to God piece of that. Um, what does it look like to, uh, to connect to God, and, and where, do we, where if people wanted to quit on that? And to do that, I want to look at a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote uh, to, the, in, to the church in Philippi, the, the letter of Philippians, uh, chapter 3. And uh, in this section we're going to read, let me just give you a little background. Paul gives his credentials. Paul was, in the first century, he was a, an observant Jew, and a very, very righteous Jew at that, and very into his faith, and very much lived this holy life, and very um, zealous for his faith. And, and he gives his credentials in the beginning of, of Philippians 3, and he says, man, I was very Jewish. I was very righteous. If you want to be uh, you want to be a big deal before God for being religious, that was me. I had all of that, that criteria, all that background. He kind of gives his resume about how righteous he was. And when we read that in Philippians 3, to modern ears, it just sounds like a guy's bragging. We're like, man, he's kind of making a big deal out of himself. But it wasn't that. Uh, it, it, it's more of, of him trying to say and draw a contrast. Look, all of who I was doesn't matter now. Something greater has come, and Jesus is a, a bigger deal to that. So let me pick it up with Philippians chapter 3, um, and we will start with verse 7. Listen to what he says. Uh, but whatever gain I had, talking about his life in the past, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ." the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. So Paul is, is talking about uh, his desire to know Christ and follow him, and he says, look, all of who I was before, the, the righteous person that I was, it's just not a big deal. It doesn't matter. In fact, he calls it rubbish, garbage, trash. It's, it's, it's nothing compared to, to what God has done and, and what we're aiming for now and what Christ has done in the world and how he is connected to all that. That is the main central thing for him. And, and, and underneath what he's saying, he's asking a question that all of us ask. And he's trying to answer it in a, in a particular way. We, whether you realize it or not, 
whether you ask it out loud or not, all of us face this question. The question is, am I a good person? Or maybe you would say it like, hey, am I doing it right? Am I doing life right? Am I doing good things? Am I objectively good? Now, you may not ask that question out loud very often. You may ask questions like, am I in the right career? Am I dating the right person? Are my kids okay? Is, am I making enough money? Is my future secure? Those kind of things we might ask out loud. But underneath all of that, there's still this nagging question. Is even what I'm doing good? Am I a good person? And we look for all sorts of ways to answer that question and justify ourselves. Oh, yes, I'm a good person. I, I, I'm doing the good thing. This is why virtue signaling has become such a hot thing because we want to signal that we are actually good people and we want people to know, yes, I'm good. Now, Paul's Jewish. And from a Jewish perspective, the way to be good is to keep the law. Now, in the Old Testament, the first five books of the Old Testament, called the Torah, there are 612 laws that were written down for the Jews. So they were supposed to keep those perfectly. You know, uh, do not murder, uh, remember the Sabbath day, and keep it holy, honor your father and mother. There were those. But in addition to that, over time, the rabbis had added laws about the law. So there were thousands of laws that they were supposed to be keeping. And the way to be good, the answer to, am I being a good person, in, in Paul's day, in, in his age, in his culture, the answer was, you're being a good person if you keep the laws and if you keep them perfectly. The better you keep the laws, the better you do with those, those rules, those laws that God has laid out, that is how you prove if you are a good person. And Paul grew up in that kind of worldview and that kind of culture, and, and he was good at it. And he says, none of that matters. He, he pivots and he says, look, my faith is in Christ and my righteousness, the reason I'm actually a good person is because of Jesus. It's not because I followed all the rules. The truth is I was never going to be able to follow all the rules perfectly. None of us are. We all mess up. Paul recognizes it. He writes about it and he says, because we all mess up, because we were never going to be per perfect, Christ came and died for us. He lived a perfect life and on the cross, when we accept him, when we give our lives to him, when we are baptized into him, his life becomes our life. His righteousness becomes ours and our sin goes to him. We, we have this exchange where we get his perfect righteousness and we give him our sin. This is how it works you will not ever be good enough on your own. You can't do that. None of us can. No matter how many, uh, no matter how many rules that you, that you try to, to follow. Um, and, and even to this day, world religions and worldviews will try to answer this question and will try to be righteous. The Islam has, a, has the five pillars of Islam. You do these things, you're righteous. There's an eightfold path in Buddhism that you're supposed to follow to reach enlightenment. Hinduism has this idea of karma, that, that you do the good things and more good than the bad and you build up good karma versus bad. And like, this is the idea. And even if you're not religious at all and you're just sort of average secular worldview, maybe agnostic, maybe atheist, I don't know, but, but it just even in that average sort of mainstream American secular worldview, there's still this idea of here's what you need to do to be good enough. And it usually involves how you shop or what charity you give to. This is why we have philanthropy. This is why we have things like charitable giving, how good of a person you are. And we kind of measure on a curve compared to other people that we know that we think are a little worse than us. And we have all these ways to prove how good we are, how righteous we are. And none of it works. Paul is clear about that. The way you will be righteous is accepting Christ 
Um, he embrace him because he lived this sinless life. Give your life to him, and his righteousness will become yours. And I and I and I want to start off the year by just reminding everybody of that to remember this core truth. This is one of the core doctrines of Christianity. And I actually talked to my father-in-law this week, and he said doctrine really matters. He he wanted to remind me, like, hey, teach your people the core doctrine of of, of Christianity, of the faith, because this stuff really matters. Um, I can give you three tips to make your marriage better, and we can talk about maybe investment advice or, or those kind of things, or maybe we could do some dating tips or something like that in a message, and we can look at Scripture for all of those things. But underneath all of that, uh, underneath all of those things that we would, that we would, that we would talk about, and, and we need to get to the core and the root of it, and, and the real meat of that, because all that stuff is gravy, but the real meat underneath is this all of our striving is worthless. We need to give our lives to him and let him change us from the inside out and, and follow Jesus. So that's a core thing, but I wanna, I wanna continue on here in verse 12 because I think this really gets to the heart of um, what we can do when we wanna quit. Um, and, and Paul reminds us of a couple things. Uh, verse, verse 12, let me, let me continue on here uh, with you. Come on, there it is. Ah, here we go. Verse 12, not that I have already obtained this, and he's talking about the resurrection of the dead and his faith and all that. He said, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Here's the first idea I, I pull from this. Number one is this, God has taken hold of us. Paul says, I'm going to take hold of my faith. I'm going to, and he uses this language of striving and grasping and straining and reaching and, and running this race and the prize and all of that kind of thing, uh, which, which I like because it feels very physical. It feels, like, um, it feels like working out or like forward movement, like I'm doing something here. And he says, uh, here's the deal. I'm, I'm reaching out to take hold of something, but the truth is God has already taken hold of me. This is the point that he makes. Uh, he's putting in the work, and, and the words he uses sounds like putting in work, but he's doing it not to earn something from God. He's doing it as a response to God, that God has initiated the move. God has gone first and step, take, taken a step towards him. And here's the, here's the truth of that. The source of our faith is Christ himself. Let that sink in for a second. The source of our faith, the root of all of this, is, is him. God has initiated towards us. If you are a follower of Jesus today, it's not because you went to church one time and something really sunk in in your heart. It's not because a friend spoke up to you and shared it with you. It's not because your grandmother took you to church and, and then you accepted and all that. Yes, those might be things that are part of your story and those might be part of the details, but if you were to peel back the layers on that and go, what is the story underneath the story? The story underneath all of our stories is this. God went first and he reached out to you, and you didn't even know it. You weren't aware. You, were, you weren't, maybe even didn't even feel ready for that. But God kind of hit you upside the head, and, and, and he moved first and, and initiated a relationship with you. That's why you're here, not because someone invited you to church. Yeah, that, that may have happened, 
But the reason you're connected to your faith at all is because God made the move. And that's, and that's powerful. And I want you to know that, especially if you feel like quitting right now. If you feel like quitting, you're like, I just don't know if I can get it. I don't know if I can, I, I, I might be done with God. Man, I just want you to know this. God sees you. He knows you. He loves you. He's, he will not let you fall. And you aren't too far gone, no matter what you've done, you aren't too far gone that you can't be made right. This is a profound truth from Scripture. Forgiveness is available to you. You know, in the past year and in the last four years, there's been a a lot of real news and fake news. And there's been a lot of difficulty discerning the the two things. Um, Here's the truest thing I can tell you. This is real news. This is the truest thing I can tell you. God is real, and he knows you, and he loves you, and he desires to be in a relationship with you. He's made the move towards you. Second thing, the challenge that goes with that is is this. Number two, reorient your life toward him. Listen again to uh, Paul in verse 12. Listen to to what he says, and we'll put it up on the screen. Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, Forgetting what lies behind, and is, that, is this like the perfect New Year's text? Forget all that back there, and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul's life has been radically changed and reoriented towards God, and look at the language he uses for that. He says, I'm pressing on, I'm, I'm forgetting what was behind, all that stuff there. I'm straining for what is ahead. For Paul... His life had become entirely about God and about his mission. Now, we want to dismiss that. Paul's an observant Jew in the first century. He's from a a town called Tarsus in the eastern part of Turkey. That is very far removed from our 21st century American life. And so we can go, well, I mean, he's about God because people back then were about God. He's about Jesus because people back then kind of got into that. He's about God because he doesn't have the internet. He, he can't look it up. He's about God because he doesn't have a good Discord server to join. Otherwise, he'd be about something else. He'd find something else more interesting. It's very easy for us to dismiss that and go, culturally, that is so other for me. It is so far away, a different time, and he's one of those holy people. And we forget that in many ways he was a regular guy of his day, and what he was trying to write was something transcultural. This is the truth of God for people at all times and all places. This is the wisdom of the ages that we need to dial dial into here and don't dismiss it just because it's uh, distant from us. I think one of the um, blessings of COVID, and I'm, I've been trying to work on that phrase to get that to come out of, you know, okay, there are blessings here, okay. This is weird, okay, but one of the blessings of the last nine months is that things were canceled. Now, I know for a lot of people you can think of all the things that were canceled that you wish had not been, weddings and graduations and, and all those things. I, I've got my list too. I, my kids had sports things that we were doing. There was a lot of things that were in the works um, that, that just, a lot of things just stopped. It was as if the entire country took a snow day for months. Um, and there's a blessing to that because everybody I know before that, before March 12th of 2020, 
Just about everybody I know would say that they're too busy, they don't have time to do anything, and they're so stressed out, and they don't have time to exercise, and they don't have time to read, and they don't have time to pray, and they don't have time to and fill in the blank of a million different things that they couldn't do because they were so busy all the time, and then everything stopped. It was as if someone just said, you're too busy, you're stressed out, not enough time, we're just going to stop everything. You can't go anywhere. Don't even get in your car. You're going to save on gas money because you're not going anywhere. There's nothing to do because nothing's open. And I... I wonder if there's a blessing in that. Like, if there's some good that can come out of it. I remember going to a, a, a seminar, um, uh, actually somebody who died, I think, in, in 2020. Ken Robinson came to Richmond, and he talked about uh, fixing the education system. And it was really interesting. And I, I remember leaving that seminar inspired by the future of education and, and also discouraged about what it is and then how do you fix it. How do you fix the public school system? All that kind of stuff. And I remember thinking, this is the bicycle that people are riding on and you can't fix it because you're riding on it. You still need to ride on it. And so what, what would it take to break the whole thing, to put everything to a stop so that something new could be remade? Well, maybe in some cases, maybe not for education, I don't know, but maybe in some cases, 2020 was, hey, get off the bicycle. This is a chance to reorient your life, to remake something, to do something different because now you got time. You said you didn't have time. Now you, something different has happened. Um, maybe there's a blessing from that. Um, and, and, and I think we should take that as a challenge and, and really dive into that, to, to look at 2020 as, as an opportunity that we had to, to reevaluate some things. Because a season like that may be the only one you get in your life. Uh, things may open up to a pretty dramatic degree, sometime in the next few months, and um, you, you, might, you and I might get right back on the treadmill and start running full speed again. Um, but I think there's a blessing in this. When we're wealthy, we don't seek God. People don't seek God in times of prosperity. People don't seek God when things are good. Why, why cry out to God if you have nothing to cry about? So maybe 2020 gave us all something to cry about, understandably so, and maybe there's an opportunity here to reorient our lives towards God. Look, 2020 is past, amen? 2020 is past. There's nothing you can do about it now. Nothing. You can't go back and live one single day back then. It's history. You can't Say something you wish you hadn't said. You can't post that thing you wish you hadn't posted. You can't repost it. You can't take that back. You don't even have good delete features on this stuff. It's, it exists out there forever. <laughs> you can't undo the things that you did in 2020. So what are you going to do with that year? Well, here's what you can do. You can change the way you think about it. You can change the way you relate to your past. It's the only option you have available to your past. You can lament that it was not what I would have wanted it to be, but that isn't incredibly productive. What is productive is to change the way you think about what happened. That is an option that's available to you. You can say, 2020 was the worst year of my life, and I won't take that from you if it was. I, I get it. Some people went through some really hard stuff. But you have an option available to you to reframe that whole thing and say, 2020 was the year I started to change things. 2020 was the year I woke up. 2020 was the year I reoriented my life towards God. 2020 was the year I, I got into a different rhythm 
about what matters and what life really is. Now, how do you reorient your life towards God? How do we do it? Um, We're going to do a whole series on that. Honestly, starting in February, we're going to do a whole series on rhythm, and we're going to look at the, the, the spiritual disciplines that we can engage in that are not new. They've been going on for millennia. The spiritual disciplines that we can engage in that will form us and shape us, the rhythms that we can, that we can incorporate in our lives to help us grow. And we're going to look at that in February and March leading up to Easter. Um, and I think if you take those seriously and really, and really go there, um, it's going to change you over the course of the year. So, um, so, so God has taken hold of us, reorient your life toward him, and then finally this, um, press on. You see Paul write this in Philippians 3. He says, I, I, I press on um, and, and uses that language. Use, make the effort. Make it so your faith is not passive. Um, don't, don't approach faith like, I came to Jesus one time, I, I said a prayer, I got baptized, I did like first communion when I was a kid, I did some sort of confession thing, and then I, people, we had cake, there was a card, and then I am done with the Jesus thing. I've done enough, I'm, I'm good. Make it an active thing. Press, keep pressing on with your faith, and don't just um, make it a, a one and done kind of thing. It's not like joining Sam's Club. You can join Sam's Club and nobody cares after that. You have a card in your pocket and you could never go if you want. Or you could go a lot. It doesn't matter. It, it can't be that kind of thing. Um, make, make your faith an active thing and, and press on here. Keep pushing uh, forward. The truth is, some of the greatest experiences you'll have in your life come from pushing and pressing on through something, past the hard stuff, until you get to the good stuff on the other side. Um, some of the best meals that you'll ever eat are not microwave. They're a slow process. Some of the, the best shape you will ever get in will be many days at the gym, not one day, right? Some of the, uh, the best relationships you'll be in are ones that you got into and you stuck it out through the good times and the bad and you came out on the other side in a stronger relationship. This is, uh, you know this, some of the best stuff in life takes time and we have to press on, we have to, Push through. This is why uh, you, you. This is why I have a fondness for the tough mutter, uh, because even though, especially the second time, it was really annoying to, to run it. Uh, I have a fondness for it because I know the work that it took to get into it, and I know what it felt like that day to do it. Um, and so I have a fondness for it because it took something. I had to press through something in myself to do it. Um, this is why, uh, this is why in, in, even in my marriage, I know what, what work it took to get into it, you know? Um, and, and, I, and there's a fondness for it of, of a long history of ups and downs and, and having to work through things that, that it, it makes it uh, better and stronger. This is why you have a, a fondness for your school. Yeah, you went to, maybe you went to college or high school somewhere and you just love it, but, but you went through some things there. And, and you have a fondness for it. Um, I, we realize this is actually written uh, in our house on the wall. It says, the good stuff is always worth the work it takes. And we realize that the good stuff requires some work. So press on. Here's the truth about the quit line. Here's the truth. When you think you're going to quit, your body can still do more. So when you're on the trip, and I, when I do the treadmill at the gym, I can be in the best mood when I get there. I'm like, I am going to crush a workout today. I'm going to warm up on the treadmill. You know what? Running. Let's just run. I'm going to run. I'm going I'm to go like 10 minutes. I'm going to go fast. I get on that thing. I'm like, yes. I'm talking like at minute two, I'm like, this is a terrible idea. I hate this. 
Why did I ever think I like this? I, why do people, no one looks happy on this treadmill. I'm looking around, everybody looks miserable. Like, what are we doing? This is awful, right? And, and it's at that moment that my body says, I think I'm done. I think I'm going to quit. I think I'm just going to call this early. Here's the truth about the quit line, and they have figured this out uh, physically. They've figured this out in studying people in the military and all that kind of stuff. When you think you want to quit, your body is only at about 40% of what it can do. So the truth about the quit line is, ultimately, it's in your head. It's in your head. Now, that isn't to say the feelings aren't real. That isn't to say the situations aren't bad. And some situations need to be, you need to quit, right? Some things do need to be walked away from. I get that. But this, the reality of it is, and this should be the empowering thing, you have, op, you have options. The quit line is, is in your mind. It's movable. You can set it here or you can set it there. And so let me encourage you to start this year. Press on. Keep moving forward. Don't, don't quit on God. Don't set that line because there's more in you. And there, there's more that, that, that will come out. There's, there's more that God wants to grow in you through this. Press, press on. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the, the slow stuff in life, the stuff that, um, the slow burn, the, the, the stuff that takes time, but that yields great and lasting results. God, I, I pray um, as we start this new year and we think about things that um, maybe we want to quit that we shouldn't, I pray that um, we, we dig deeper uh, this, this, to start this year, that um, we discover as you, kick out the, uh, as you kick out the floorboards, we discover um, basements of our soul that we didn't even realize were there and maybe even basements underneath those. We, we discover a depth that, from you. God, help us to um, face the quit line in whatever areas that we're, we're at right now and to, to press on, to press through that. God, I thank you for the example of the Apostle Paul who faced so much persecution and hardship and pain and suffering and yet... Um, he kept moving forward, pursuing you. God, may we, may we be the people who face whatever comes and keep moving forward, following you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.